Good afternoon. You're listening to K Tahoe. It's time for the bright side with Alexis Robin. Good afternoon, Jen. Afternoon. So today we're going to be talking about some elements of teaming and speaking up at work uh, based on creating psychological safety. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff to cover, but it's based on Amy C. Edmondson's book Teaming, and. She, I heard her speak actually last um, September at the Harvard Coaches Conference in Boston, and she was really great. And she talked about teaming um, across the organization and how now we need to learn to team in more effective ways, and you need to be able to team and kind of pop-up teams. It's not like the old days where, oh, this is my department, so we're a team. Like now you could have a project team that just works together for two months, and then it's done. And so um, – so there's a lot of different things, but specifically what I want to talk about today um, from her work in the book teaming is um, is really getting people to be willing to speak up in the workplace and this idea of psychological safety and um, and creating it. So basically we're going to talk about why people don't speak up in the workplace, what they're afraid of, um, the benefits of creating psychological safety in the workplace, you know, what that means, and then um, how you can actually create it in your organization. So so we'll be going through um, all of that in the next short 15 minutes. So wow. buckle up. Got Here some we ground go. to cover. Got some ground to cover. So, um, so there's four concerns that powerfully impact people's willingness to speak up at work. And psychological safety occurs when these concerns are minimized by leaders. So um, so the first concern is that people are fear being seen as ignorant, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. when people, when individuals ask questions or seek information, they run the risk of being perceived as ignorant. So the consequence is they don't ask questions. Yep. Right. So if you're afraid you're going to look ignorant, you just don't ask because you don't want to be the, that, you know, and sometimes people say this is a dumb question, but, you know, and really it's like it's not a dumb question if you have it. It's just a question. The second thing people are uh, concerned about in terms of their willingness to speak up at work is being seen as incompetent. Have you ever been worried about being seen as incompetent? Oh, of course. I know I have. Yeah, yeah for Absolutely. sure. So, um, so when admitting mistakes or asking for help or accepting the high probability of failure that comes with experimenting, people risk being seen as incompetent. So the consequence is they don't offer ideas or admit mistakes. Now, could you imagine not admitting a mistake in the workplace? Like what could what could happen if you made a big mistake and didn't say anything? Well, I think depending on what industry you're in, it could be downright dangerous. Right. So it could be dangerous. Like what if you're in a lab making vaccines and you make a mistake yeah. and you realize it's going to cost the company a million dollars. So you say nothing. Or someone's life. Or someone's life. And then all of a sudden, you know, 300 people are affected by some bad vaccine yeah. or something, right? So um, so you could see why this is what we're going to talk about in a few minutes is really important, even if you don't make vaccine. <laughs> All right, so the third thing that uh, powerfully impacts people's willingness to speak up at work is being seen as negative, right? Ah. So people don't want to be seen as negative. So, But to learn and improve, it's essential to critically evaluate current and past activities and performance, right? So you need to be able to look and say, like, was I good? Was I bad? How do I make that better? The risk of appearing negative, however, prevents people from giving critical feedback uh, and assessments. So the consequence is people don't critique the status quo, right? So if you see something's not working mm-hmm. or you don't like something, then you don't say something, it'll never be fixed. And most people, it's like, it's not like they don't say it because they don't care. They just don't want to be seen as the negative Nelly. Yep. 
Right. I hear you. So, um, so then the, the last thing that people are worried about is being seen as disruptive. So fearful of disrupting or imposing upon others time, uh, people avoid seeking feedback, information, or help. So in particular, individuals who are often reluctant to seek feedback about their performance despite the personal gains that can be obtained from the feedback. So the consequence here is that people don't seek feedback. So if you're, you know, if you're worried about like, oh, I don't want to bother my boss, so I'm not going to ask what I need to do to improve, right? Because not only will that be admitting that I might be incompetent or ignorant, (laughs) it's also going to potentially be disruptive. And then you pair that with somebody who doesn't want to be negative. Right. (laughs) You get nowhere. You get nowhere, right? So you can see, like, if we're not doing any of this, I mean, this is – we talked a lot about in a program I did this year with the Peeling Coaching Center for Excellence, we talked a lot about courageous authenticity. And we talked about why it was so crucial to speak up. And the the down and dirty is that, you know, we are in a time of extreme uh, change. I mean, things are moving so quickly. Things are changing so quickly that they, we don't have the luxury of sitting on our laurels and hoping that somebody notices that something is not working. You know, by the time someone notices out of their busy schedule that something's not working, you've either lost tons of money, tons of time, or your competitors have already fixed it and you're out of the race. Yeah. Right? And so it is crucial to be able to have this constructive discussions and to not be afraid to say like, hey, I don't think that works or to ask questions. Now there's an elegant way to do it. Right? There's, there's an ugly way to do it, which is being negative and critical and, you know, hey, this isn't working and this idea sucks and, you know, that's not fun and nobody likes that. But, There's also a way to say like, wow, I really think this project could be better if, or has anyone thought about if, you know, what will happen if this, um, turns out this way, you know, and, and what do we need to be thinking about now to prevent that from happening? And so, um, so you want to be having those conversations. And if you're the kind of person who's getting your feelings hurt every time someone doesn't agree with your idea, you know, I would encourage you a, to think about you're not your idea. Right. Just Mm -hmm. because someone criticizes Mm -hmm. your idea, it doesn't mean they're criticizing you. And we get really um, afflicted when we start taking, you know, when somebody says like, hey, Alexis, I don't really like that idea. Let's do this instead. And we take that as a personal criticism of ourselves. Right. Somebody, you know, I might say, hey, let's do Mexican for lunch. And my husband might say, oh, no, that's no, I don't want Mexican. And I can think like, oh, well, he doesn't like me. Or I can think, no, he doesn't like Mexican food. He wants Chinese. You know right. what? You're probably so more accurate in that than people might think. As you think about when when you're with a group of people, where do you want to eat? Nobody wants to come forth and say anything. Right. And if somebody says, oh, let's go to that sandwich place, and you know that it takes you know, 25 minutes to get your sandwich made, but then you think, I don't want to be negative, so I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah. So um, – So in order to avoid these things, in order to encourage people to be willing to ask questions or seek information, to be willing to admit mistakes and ask for help, to be willing to learn and improve and, you know, give critique on things, like honest critique, not just the, you know, the kind of the BS dancing around it that we've been giving, because that, it just wastes everyone's time. And in order to get them to be um, comfortable asking for people's time or seeking feedback, we need to create an environment that is psychologically safe, according to Amy Edmondson um, in her book, Teaming. So the benefits of a psychologically safe workplace 
is that it encourages people to speak up. It enables clarity of thought. So when the brain is activated by fear, it has less access to the prefrontal cortex where the higher level thinking occurs. So, um, you know, you think you'll hear me talk about the forehead brain or dwelling in your prefrontal cortex, you know, it's the nerdy science geek in me. Um, but really that's where the higher level thinking occurs. And when you're in fight or flight or you're fearful, you know, you get hijacked by this little tiny part of the brain called the amygdala and you're not able to think about multiple options. You're just focused on whatever the quickest, safest way out is. Yep. It also um, encourages and supports productive conflict, which is what I was just talking about a few minutes ago. It mitigates failure. So psychological safety makes it easier to report errors and mistakes. Uh, It promotes innovation. So if you remove fear of speaking up, it allows people to suggest new ideas and possibilities. And it removes obstacles to pursuing goals for achieving. So once you have psychological safety, individuals can focus on achieving goals rather than self-protection. Right now, there's a fantastic article in this month's uh, Harvard Business Review all about being a um, deliberately developmental company and talking about developing the people uh, as a way to um, improve your outcomes in the workplace. Um, so check that out. That would make sense. And then it also increases accountability. So psychological safety creates a climate that supports people in taking risks necessary to pursue high standards and achieve challenging goals. So, um, so lots of benefits. But so if you're a leader and you're wondering, like, how the heck do I do that? Like, how do I create psychological safety? Well, here's a few tips. And um, this was originally shared, uh, this again comes from Amy Edmondson's research, but was shared by a fellow P-Link coach, Cindy Jackson, with our team. So she put it together. So Nice. Yep. So leadership behaviors for uh, cultivating psychological safety. Um, one is to be accessible and approachable as a leader. So when you, when you are encouraging team members to learn together by being accessible and passionately involved, um, people will be more likely to talk to you. If you're, um, you know, if your door's always closed or you're not open to people's ideas, you know, you're not accessible. Yeah. Uh, second way to do this is to acknowledge the limits of your current knowledge. So here's the deal. If you're a leader and you admit that you don't know everything, other people will be encouraged to follow suit. Mm -hmm. So you have to show some genuine humility. If you make a mistake, you make a mistake. Admit it. It's okay. It allows other people to admit when they've made a mistake. Exactly. And knowing early is a lot less dangerous than knowing someone made a mistake late. Just saying. All right. Uh, Number three is to be willing to display fallibility. So to create psychological safety in the workplace, team leaders must demonstrate a tolerance of failure by acknowledging their own fallibility, right? So you've got to be able, if you're telling people like, you know, oh, be innovative, be creative, but then you're intolerant of failure, forget it. Nobody's going to take a risk. No one's going to try and innovate anything. They're going to be like, what worked last year? Let's do that. Yeah. Let's you see know? which side they remember. It's God forbid we try something new. Right? So you gotta be willing to show your own fallibility. When did you fail? How have you failed? What are you willing to try and take a risk on? Maybe it's your people. Maybe it's an idea. Who knows? Um, next thing, number four here is to invite participation. So if you're trying to create, um, if you're trying to show leadership behaviors that cultivate psychological safety in the workplace, invite participation. When people believe their leaders value their input, they're more engaged and receptive. Right? So who doesn't want to be heard at work? 
I would think everybody would want to be heard. I think that's a key need of most people is to be heard. Totally. And you know what is interesting is that most people um, would leave, and this is based on my own experience as a coach, but I'm sure that there's some science to back it up if you wanted to research it. Um, but most people leave organizations that I hear from because the management's not listening to them. I've gone five times and no one's listened to me. Or I've, you know, I've said this time and time again. I let them know what we need, but they're not listening to me. And it doesn't mean, and a lot of leadership, they're worried that if they listen, they have to do something about what the person's talking about. And we all know that in business these days, like sometimes you can't say yes to everything that your managers or your employees want. But you can listen to them and you can say, like, I hear you. And in better times, we'd love to add three more staff to your team. And as soon as we're able to, like, let's come up with some creative ideas of how we could do that. Right? My kids thought I I wasn't listening to them. And maybe I I probably had some work to do in that department. And so now my youngest one comes to me and she'll say, may I make a recommendation? Oh. I have a recommendation for this. And she, because she knows that I do I do value what she says and she may be onto something. Mm-hmm. But also she's recognized and starting to get the kind of grasp on it, you can't always say yes. Right. And that's, you know, trying to teach at a young age. Yeah. Same concept. Oh my gosh, that's great. Your Her future bosses will thank you. I hope so. Her future you know? husband might. Yeah, and I yeah. often say too, it's like, you know, if, you know, I have some ideas to share if you're open. You know, if you're interested, I've got some ideas on this. If not, no problem. But, you know, that way, no risk involved, right? I'm just putting it out there. Worst case scenario, they shut you down. And they say to you, you know what? I'm not interested. Yeah, you're, okay. You're right where you were at. You were at no to start with, and you're still at no. So you haven't lost it. So good to know, but at least you know. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're at no, but now you know it's a no. You know the no. <laughs> All right. So um, next one here is to highlight failures as learning opportunities. So instead of punishing people for well-intentioned risks that backfire, and we were just talking about this, leaders encourage team member to embrace errors and deal with failure in a productive manner. Okay. So you blew it. What would you do differently next time? I mean, we just had, we were at the Pinewood Derby for Girl Scouts. Nice. We um, took an approach that we thought would work, getting a, you know, pointy car in the front and skinny in the back. We decided not to add extra weight, even though they said, do you want to add more weight? And, um, you know, my daughter said, nope, I don't want to. I said, fine, no problem. And her car didn't win. It came in second and third, which was great. That's but good. Not overall, but in the races she did. And she was so disappointed. And I said, what would you do differently next time? Like you got to learn from it. So it's your first one ever. What would you, what are you going to do differently next time? And she was like, I don't know, maybe I would, you know, and it, it takes a little while to get over the hurt part. You know, it's, you're allowed to be sad and disappointed, but then eventually you got to come around and say, okay, so now what? Right. Do something with that sadness and disappointment. Don't just hang on to it and wallow in it only for a little while. All right. So, um, Next one here is to use direct language. Using direct actionable language will instigate the type of straightforward, blunt discussions that enable learning, right? Do not sugarcoat it. Do not dance around it. Come right to the point. Because if you're trying to give someone feedback and you're not being direct, I mean, they'll say, I, I'm not following you. Like I had a client this morning. It was great. He said to me, um, I'm not quite sure why you just said that to me. Or I'm not sure, I think he said, I'm not sure why you phrased it that way. 
And I could tell he was feeling a little irritated by the way I phrased it. And I said, oh, well, my intention was blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, 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 well, that makes more sense, you know. But it was, had he not asked me, he might have left the call feeling really kind of miffed. And I might have thought, like, everything was great. Yeah. Right? So you got to be blunt. You got to be direct and say, like, what are you trying to say? Because you try and dance around it. It's like, don't BS me. Just tell me. Right? <laughs> Just tell me. Okay. Uh, second to last one here is to set boundaries. So when leaders are as clear as possible about what is acceptable, people feel more psychologically safe than when boundaries are vague and unpredictable. Why do you think that is? Well, I think you need to know what court you're playing in. Exactly. Yeah. If you know where the boundaries are, you feel free to run crazy in the boundaries. Yeah. But if you don't and you're always wondering, like, is that okay? Is that okay? And then you're like, well, I didn't do it because I didn't think it was okay. And then your boss is like, of course it's okay. Why didn't you do it? You know, it's like, oh, darn. Should have done it. So so you're exactly right. You got to know what court you're playing in. And then uh, finally, the last one to um, last leadership behavior to create or cultivate psychological safety in the workplace is to hold people accountable for transgressions. So when people cross the boundaries set in advance and fail to perform to set standards, leaders have to hold them accountable in a fair and consistent way. And part of the reason for that is that if you have one bad apple on your team, it can reduce morale by, it can, excuse me, it can reduce performance by 40%, right? This is studied by Gallup and it can reduce performance by 40%, one bad person on the team. Now imagine if that person on the team isn't being held accountable for their, their transgressions. Well, then what does everybody else think? I can transgress too. Yeah. Why do I have to work so hard? Nobody notices what they do wrong. Like here I am cleaning up the mess for that Yahoo and He's not even getting in trouble for it, or she's not even being held accountable for it. Why should I care, right? You do not want people working at your company thinking, why should I care, right? So you want people thinking, I should care, I do care, and I'm going to have a blunt conversation about it in a positively constructive way, you know, and you can only do that if you have an environment that honors and creates psychological safety. So you've had, um, you've heard today about why people are afraid to speak up. You've heard about the benefits of creating psychological safety in the workplace. And you've just had, um, I want to say like nine different tips for how to create it. So thank you for tuning in. We hope that, uh, that in all your workplaces, if you're hoping to improve and grow and expand, that you are working to create a good uh, environment for your people to thrive in and if you want to learn more about doing that kind of stuff, you can check us out on plinkcoachingcenter.com. So Alexis Robin, local life and business coach, and uh, sign now till next Monday. That's right. Same place, same time. Sounds good. Have a great week. Thanks. You too. You've been listening to Alexis Robin with The Bright Side here on K Tahoe.